is the third week that we're in the series out of 1 John about no doubts and focusing on at least six things that John writes about in this letter of 1 John that we can know without any shadow of a doubt. The last couple of weeks uh, we have been given the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins and then we have claimed the assurance of our relationship with God. And today we're going to talk about we can be sure of the truth, the truth. And so we're going to be focusing on the truth about Jesus Christ today. And as I've said before, I think all these studies have come at very timely moments in the life of our church. And I think this one today is another timely study about being sure of the truth. And when we're in church and we're focusing upon the Word of God, we're focusing upon Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Uh, the Son of God who came to earth, God in the flesh, both man and God, uh, perfect in every way, and lived and walked among us. And the reason we need to come and make sure that we find no doubt in, in, in Jesus and believing in him is because there are always those around us uh, who would be teaching something that would be what we would call heresy, something that's, that's false teaching, something that is not in step. Uh, with the teaching of the Word of God. And so we come today to make sure then that we are in the truth and that we claim the truth. Last weekend, uh, we remembered a uh, very significant moment in the life of our history. We remember the 20th anniversary of the terrorist attacks on our country on 9-11-2001. And I think all of us would say that we realize that Life in America was changed forever because of what happened on that day. The threat of terrorism seems to be always on the rise, and Homeland Security uh, seems to want us to be prepared for that and on the watch and alert to any future attack. And so through the government agencies, they're working hard to get us to be more vigilant, uh, to uh, be sensitive to attacks by terrorists. They've created a color-coded warning system for terrorist attacks. The color green would be on the lowest scale and that would be the, the lowest level of threat from terrorists and that means everything's okay. The highest level would be red and that means that there is the great imminent threat right now. And then in between there are three different colors. There's blue that says it's kind of a moderate uh, threat of terrorist activities and then there's yellow that says it's a little bit more increased and then there's orange that says it's a little bit more increased than that. And that warning system is there to remind us that we can feel secure in our nation, but we must be on the guard. We can enjoy our freedom, but we must keep our eyes open. And we take that analogy then, and we go to the scripture today in 1 John. And we're in the chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 27. And we find that John is talking to his readers at that particular moment, somewhere between 85 and 95 maybe uh, A.D., uh, that he's talking to them about a warning about the, the heresy that might be taking place and that they need to make sure that they are in the truth of Jesus Christ and that they're standing firm in that truth. And we need to do the same thing today. 2,000 years later, there's still the threat of false teaching and heresy. Anything that deviates from teaching that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came in flesh, and that he was both God and man at the same time. So look with me in your Bible, or on your phone app, or whatever you're using, 
And then I want to ask you to keep them open as we go through this, because as Victoria and I talked about my sermon today, I said, it's a little bit different going through this, because I want to kind of just focus almost verse by verse on what John writes to us about knowing the truth and being secure in the truth of Jesus Christ. So we go to chapter 2, verse 18, and we find John writing and saying, Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they, did not, they would not have gone out from us, but they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. You might want to underscore that. You know the truth. If you're a believer in Christ, you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has been taught you, Remain in him. Strong word from John. That he is writing to them saying, you know the truth. Then you should remember the truth. You should live in the truth. You should claim the truth. And not be led astray by any false teaching. So what John is doing is he's warning us even today. And I think if he were using that same color code of homeland security, he might have used maybe a, a, a yellow flag. Or maybe it might have crept to even an orange flag to say that it's a little bit more on the rise and a little bit more intense, not completely, like it's going to be in times of the tribulation and other things like that, but it's a little bit, it's going to be a little bit more intense than what you think it's going to be. And we're reminded in that that Satan is always on the alerts for some way that he can deceive. He wants to deceive you, he wants to defeat you, he wants to destroy you, and he will deceive you in any way. That he can. So pay attention to what John says to us today, okay? So let's begin by answering this question then. What is the nature of spiritual deception? That's what we have to watch out for. If we are secure in the truth, what is the nature of spiritual deception? Well, in the first century, when John was writing this letter, the particular heresy that he was addressing was Gnosticism. And when you boil it down to its simplest element, what they were saying about Christ was, they denied that Christ was both truly God and truly man. 
And what they were saying was that Jesus was a good man, but he was not God in any sense of the word. That's the Gnostic belief. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what John's saying. But that's what John is writing to refute about Gnosticism. And so he says, dear children, in verse 18, this is the last hour. Now that last hour may refer to any time between the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. And I think from the wording that he uses when he says the last hour, I'm thinking that the Apostle John here thought they were in the last hour of the last days. The last hour of the last days. I love the story that's been told so many times of, of a little boy at his grandparents' house, and he would love to watch his grandfather clock that they had. And he loved for it to, you know, 12 o'clock to hear it dong 12 times. And he's sitting there one day, and the hand moves to 12, and it starts donging, and he counts along with them. And he gets to number 12 and thinking it'll stop, and the clock goes on. 13, 14, 15, and 16, and with great alarm, little boy runs in the kitchen where his grandmother is. He says, Grandma, Grandma, he said, it's later than it's ever been before. <laughs> well, it is. It's later than it's ever been before. It's later than it's ever been before in the history of the world, in our sojourn upon this earth, and in God's timetable for consummating all things. And bringing Jesus back in the flesh to be God once again before us in the flesh in his second coming. It makes James 5, 8 take on added significance which tells us the coming of the Lord is at hand. That it is near. It's near. Now that fact ought to be both comforting and sobering. It's reassuring for us and comforting for us when we're in Christ and we know the truth, Right? But it should be sobering to you if you've not yet crossed over that line of faith and claimed Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Let him be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. So you need to be always asking yourself the question every day. Am I living in a way that will bring about the approval of Jesus Christ when he returns? Remember, you need to ask that question because it's later than it's ever been before. And look at the remainder of verse 18. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Focus on that word Antichrist. Throughout history, many individuals have been identified as the Antichrist. A lot of great spiritual leaders, including Roger Williams, who founded the first Baptist church in America, joined together with Martin Luther and John Wesley, all in identifying uh, the Pope in Rome as being the Antichrist. And here's another interesting thing I read this week. Beginning with Franklin Delano Roosevelt, every president following him has been identified at some point in time as the Antichrist with the exception of Gerald Ford. I don't know why Gerald Ford was omitted and not accused of that. But every president since F. D.R. So what do other people say about who is the Antichrist? Well, some say it's Nero or Napoleon or Hitler or Stalin or Mikhail Gorbachev or Idi Amin or Atollah Khomeini or Yasser Arafat. And these two are ridiculous. But a writer in Texas said that even Papa Smurf and Barney the Dinosaur <laughs> have been accused of being the Antichrist. Well, you read in Revelation 13, it talks about a red beast. Barney's a purple a dinosaur, so it eliminates him completely. I don't know where in the world they get that idea. 
But here's something interesting. I think maybe you, maybe you might remember this for the first time. You know, I'm getting to the age that where I don't know whether I'm learning new things or being reminded of things that I forgot. But the term antichrist is actually used only five times in the Bible. You know where you find it? You find it four times in 1 John. Three in the verses that we read this morning. Once in 1 John 4 and then in 2 John. How many times is the word antichrist found in the book of Revelation? None. None. Most of you think, yeah, Revelation talks all about the antichrist, doesn't it? But it talks about the beast. It talks about the number 666. So where do we get this idea, biblically, of the antichrist? Well, Paul talked about the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians 2. And John talked about the beast in Revelation chapter 13. And Jesus talked about the false Christ who will come and perform counterfeit miracles. You go back to the book of Daniel. And Daniel points to an individual who will be like a lightning rod of antagonism to the cause of Christ. And so the Bible does teach us that there is going to be, at some point in time, near the consummation of the ages, an individual who will be the Antichrist who will bring an uprising against the kingdom of God. And the number 666 has generally been associated with the Antichrist because in Revelation 13, John identifies the beast with that number. Now, John's not talking about that individual, the Antichrist. You will notice that it's plural and lowercase, menti Antichrist. Those are people who have the spirit of Antichrist in them. And what does that mean? Basically, anybody who is an Antichrist is anti-against Christ. They are deceiving you with something untrue about Jesus Christ. They're attacking the gospel of Christ. They're saying, that is not true. I have a new revelation from God. And this is what I want you to know about Jesus Christ. Perhaps you could make an analogy with the terrorists. We know that they're heads of various terrorist organizations all around. But these groups have many cells and soldiers who carry out their work in the manner of many spiritual terrorists who are out in the world. So they're seeking to destroy true Christian faith. They may not be the head of the operation, but they are certainly dangerous. John says, many antichrists. Look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. Now what's John talking about? People who lead the church? Well, not exactly, not always. People have always been leaving the church. What he's talking about is that of those who left the true church and denied Christ by preaching another gospel. That's what they were doing. They said, I have another revelation of Christ that I need to give to you. No, you don't. It's right here in the pages, right here in the Bible. You don't add to it, you don't take from it. The truth is right here in Jesus Christ. So John is saying by leaving the church, they gave evidence that they were false prophets. They left the true church and preached another gospel. So antichrists today are many who take any form of attack upon the nature, character of Jesus Christ and his true church. And John says their defection from the church was also God's will to show them as being heretics. I look at verse 20. 
But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. He's writing to believers, people like you and me, all of us in the church. Because true followers of Christ have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who teaches us all things, and who gives us the faith and the ability to recognize heresy. And look at verse 21. John says, I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. See, John's purpose for writing was to confirm true believers in the truth they already knew. That's the assurance that we claim today. If you're a believer in Christ, you know the truth. And you can leave here today confident in the assurance of the truth. Now you're aware of the nature then of spiritual deception. Now the second point that John writes to us about is then the cause of spiritual deception. What's the cause of spiritual deception? Well, in verse 22 and 23, he says, Who is the liar? Is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. In verse 23, he says, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. You see, in the first century, the Gnostics denied that Christ was both God and man. They made him to be a mere man, and they denied that Jesus was the Son of God. Every cult, every false religion since that time has always attacked the nature, the personality, and the character of Jesus Christ. Present-day cults do the same thing. Mormons make Jesus to be like every other man. They just simply say he's a role model that we ought to strive to be like. Muslims say nice things about Jesus the prophet, but he is lower even in authority than Muhammad. We know that uh, our, friend, our Jewish friends reject Jesus as the Messiah. They don't claim him as the Messiah. That's why when you come, a Jew becomes a believer in Jesus Christ, they're a Messianic Jew. That's the Messianic Jewish congregation that meets with us on campus. Hindus. Hindus see Jesus as just one of many incarnations of God, and he has no more divine power than any other man. Buddhists see Jesus as merely a good man. Unitarians see Jesus as merely an influential man of history, and Jehovah's Witnesses see Christ as the first one created by God, but he was not God. I remember years back, there was a book that came out entitled Strangers at the Door with a warning about the different cults that were out there and the ones that come knocking at your door. Now surely most everybody in here at some point in time has had some group of people who deviated from the gospel who've come and knocked on your door and wanted to talk to you and wanted to give you information. Surely you have because they are about what they think is the most important thing, and that is straightening you out about Jesus Christ and the gospel. You need to know the truth so you can stand firm on that. Then verse 22b, such a man who denies Christ, he's saying, is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son, and no one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. What's John saying? 
John's saying if you do not believe that Jesus is the Christ and God in the flesh, then you aren't saved. You don't have the relationship with the Father. And he is saying that no one has a saving relationship with the Father except through Jesus. Because John is the one, interesting, watch this, who quotes Jesus as saying, I am the way and the what? Truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. It's John who caught that and put it in his gospel. John 14, 6. And then Paul would say in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's in Jesus Christ that we go to the Father. The Christians disagree about a lot of things. Church government, the role of women, proper form of baptism, the significance of communion, events of the second coming, all kinds of different opinions about that. The gifts of the Spirit, how we should worship, all those kinds of things. I'm glad as Baptists that we've got it right, okay? Hopefully those are, are diminished over time. Those things, though sometimes, though, do split churches, congregations, and families. So you have to look at them very carefully. But true believers have a common thread. We have a common faith. We have to agree on some things that are basic. One is that Christ very clearly, without any doubt, is the one who was both fully God and fully man. Secondly, Jesus lived a perfect life and he died a sacrificial death so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And third, we affirm that Jesus rode from the dead verifying all of his claims. And we believe and we claim the power of the Holy Spirit residing in our life. Now the Antichrist will attack all those beliefs. They will attack the nature and the person of Christ. You cannot take Jesus out of the equation. You cannot distort him and be true to the gospel. Because if you do, then Christianity is nothing more than a scout troop. Every false religion attacks Jesus. So we need to examine ourselves carefully to make sure we're true followers and we need to be on the guard against heresy. So that leads to the third thing John says, and that, that is the safeguards against spiritual deception. See, the best way to avoid spiritual deception and to know the truth and be assured of the truth is to remain in the truth. Makes sense, doesn't it? Look at verses 24 and 25. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. He is urging us as believers to be so certain of the gospel that we abide in it, that we remain in it, that we continue in the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that gospel has to dwell in us as believers. I remember reading years ago about when all the different cults were on the rise and uh, we were having studies about how to identify all these cults. That one truth was pointed out to us. And it was that tre treasury agents and FBI agents learn how to spot counterfeit money just like that. And how do you think they learn how to spot counterfeit money? They study what? They spend a lot of time studying the real currency identifying everything on real currency so that they'll be able to identify a counterfeit bill in a flash of a moment. Now, the same thing is true with us. 
You need to know something about these cults and how they work to deceive you. But you spend, need to spend more time in the word of God being convinced of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because John says in the verse 25 it gives us eternal life. So he wraps it up in 26 and 27 by saying, I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, listen to this word, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. To be have to always be on the alert for false teaching. Well, let's always remember that the Holy Spirit seeks to enlighten us and to teach us and to guard us against those who would deviate from the Word of God. So we live in a time we must be alert to many issues that can be harmful to us. And today we're talking about the truth. You already talked about and pointed out in John 14, 6. John is the gospel writer who quotes Jesus in one of his many sayings is saying, I'm the way, the truth. And the life. In John's account in chapter 18, when Jesus is standing before Pilate, that, that this discourse takes place. You are a king, then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, You are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason I was born, and for this reason I came into the world to testify to the truth. Underscore that phrase to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Yeah, and you remember Pilate's response? What is truth? What is truth? Truth is a person. Truth is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are saved and you are secure when you're in Jesus Christ. And you know that through the word. So to claim your assurance in Christ, then I would encourage you to love the word and then to live the word and to always be on guard for those who would want to destroy you and deceive you with some form of heresy. Leave here today with the assurance that you know the truth, which is Jesus Christ. And that you're living in him and abiding in his truth forever. Father God, we ask that during this time you would speak to our hearts as we open before you. Let your Holy Spirit move in the midst of these, your people today, and those who need to become your people through faith in Christ Jesus as both Savior and Lord. Father, may we all be assured of the truth found in Jesus Christ. May we be, may we be dedicated to you through the continual revelation of Christ to us as your truth. And the only way that we know you is through Christ. Help us, Father, in the midst of all the things that would seek to destroy us and to deceive us, to remain true to you through your word. Father, we pray this in the name of Christ, our Lord, and pray for the Holy Spirit's movement now to lead to decisions and convictions through the power that you grant to him. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.